Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Mark Ritter. He is a funding phenom. He's got an amazing cooperative of credit unions that he works with, small banks, lenders. I think he said over like 4,000, 8,000, something crazy like that. But I always hear people asking stories about topics about what it's like to work with a local credit union, why you should use small banks. And he opened up a lot of things that I've heard misconceptions about, or you hear interest in things like SBA loans, business credit, local credit lines, and why local community banks and local credit unions can fund things that maybe the big banks can't. And he shed a lot of light and a lot of insight onto why that happens and why you should have a lot of benefits, especially right now with what's going on in the market, with credit lines being cut, lenders having fear. And he touched on a lot of really interesting things that will make you see that, hey, you know what? It probably is a really great time and a great idea to start to put those relationships relationships together there. So we talk about funding for real estate, business lines of credit, SBA loans, overheads. He, he talks about some really cool things that I've never even heard of that he says are some of the best kept secrets in lending right now for business owners and real estate investors. So make sure you stay in tune for that as well. I'll put all his links in the show notes, but uh, really cool. When you hear it, you're going to understand the benefits for reaching out to a guy like him and having him maybe be able to get you some of the best rates in terms of financing options for whatever you're working on, your problem deals, your refinances, your business loans, your overhead, your SBA stuff, like really, really cool stuff. I, I was uh, I was intrigued to have him on. Once I saw the topic in the background, I booked him right away. So great conversation, fantastic resource and very eye-opening discussion. Definitely check the show notes for him. And while you're there, as usual, my guest today is an entrepreneur and athlete and a funding phenom fighting out of Pennsylvania since 2002, starting out with just him and a lonesome desk and going on to be the CEO of MBFS and New Direction Lending. He is an expert in all things credit union and small business lending for real estate investors and small business owners. He is a father, a husband, and most importantly, he is our guest today on the A-Game Podcast. Please give it up. Welcome and thank you for being here, Mr. Mark Ritter. Check out the A-Game Podcast, nicknicknick.com slash links. Don't put any www. Apparently, the www brings you somewhere else. Nicknick.com slash links. Even if you Google, it'll pop up. Uh, and on that, you have all the ways to listen to this podcast. So please like, subscribe, share, give it a review. But even just subscribing, it's available on every platform. You're going to see it there, whether you listen to it, whether you're watching on YouTube. And you'll see all the ways to connect me on social media. So everybody's scrolling on social media anyway. The way we get to continue to do another 270 shows with fantastic guests, free information, free resources is for you guys to just subscribe to it and interact on social media. If my accounts are not popping up, please search for me, like something so I start to pop up in your algorithm. And then just let guys like Mark know that when you post when you post stuff or you post clips from this episode, that you like it, that you share it, do a little thumbs up, do a little fist bump, hit the share button, tag somebody. I know it sounds cliche, but it really does go a long way and it takes two seconds to do. So even if you don't like it, hit the like button and uh, just whatever it is for the, it, it keeps things going. So that's the the fee for the show is to interact and subscribe. I very much appreciate it. And of course, the whole thing here is I want to do deals. So maybe Mark can find your deals, but I can help find them for you. So whether you want to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way to partner up on some level, send me either a DM with the words real estate so I know to look for it on any of my social media platforms, or the best way is just to text me directly, 516-540-5733. If you do that at 516 540 5733. You can be in a position where you can just hit the 
uh, text me real estate and I'll be able to respond and we can have the discussion for how we can work together best. And of course, you can go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for a free resource on more value for your buyers if you're a real estate agent, broker, or wholesaler. A-game podcast, fantastic episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for Mark for coming on. I hope everybody has a fantastic day. A-game podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Nick, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation and getting to know the audience a little better. Yeah, me too, man. So uh, I, I love the topic. I love the background. I love all the things we're going to get into. I, I actually haven't had anybody coming on and talking about this topic, and it's something that always comes up. So your timing is perfect. But for somebody who maybe isn't 100% familiar with you quite yet, could you give a 30,000-foot view of who you are and where you came from? Yeah, my name is Mark Ritter. Um, as I sit, uh, I'm sitting in Pennsylvania and am the CEO of MBFS. Uh, which stands for Member Business Financial Services, which is quite a mouthful. So that's why I always call it, just call it MBFS. But we are a credit union owned company that just does one thing, and that's help credit people get loans through credit unions. And we help credit unions in the commercial real estate and all real estate investment space. Uh, I've been in the credit union space now for over 20 years. Uh, when I started out, credit unions were a speck of dust in the whole financing world. And today we're we're a couple specks of dust, but I think we're a great option and uh, very friendly to work with and good options. So I like to go on shows like yours to, to educate people about that options and how people can access credit unions because it always seems like people have favorable opinions uh, and impressions of credit unions, but they just don't know anything more than that. So I agree. I think that that's a, a very accurate topic. Everybody's always like, man, credit unions, credit unions, but they don't actually know why. So just starting out with that ba basic topic, why should somebody be looking to do business with credit unions and small banks versus the big banks that everybody always goes to? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that people don't understand is exactly what a credit union is, you know, yeah, and, and many people might have their car loan from them, 125 million people belong to credit unions, and you drive past and you see them all throughout your neighborhood. Uh, and it really, they have ATMs, they have teller lines, they say, come get a loan through us, just like any other community bank or even the big banks. But, but really what a credit union is, when you see that FCU for federal credit union or just credit union, it's a not-for-profit cooperative. And, and that's really where everything drives the differences from. It is all, you know, but my, my dollar spends the same as everybody else's dollar. So, you know, the, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a commodity business, but really that philosophy on how we run is different. And, and a credit unions are, are, are not owned by stockholders. They're owned by the memberships on a cooperative basis. And they're run by a board of directors uh, who's elected by the membership. So, uh, you know, sometimes I say if I went, if I, if I went to a bank, they'd probably fire me in the first time. <laughs> Uh, just, just because, you know, it, it tends to have that more casual feel and relationship to it. That's awesome. So as far as like a, a lot of people looking for loans for businesses, for real estate, for things like that, start talking about first off, I, I think when people hear credit unions, 
they assume that they have to have like that's somewhere you go if you have good credit or it's very heavily based on yes. credit. And I've almost found like uh, almost the opposite. Like the I, I date myself when I say this, but there used to be that old commercial about when your bank says no, champion says yes. And I feel like that's yes. where when the big banks turn some people down, especially on the real estate side, I find a lot of things for for equity lines or for local refinances and stuff like that. The smaller banks and the credit unions actually tend to be in, in some cases less restrictive on who and what they'll lend on than the big banks, which almost sounds opposite for what the name says. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and one of the misconceptions, the biggest misconceptions about a credit union is accessing a credit union. My father uh, was an electrician and his factory had a credit union. And that's how it used, it was, if you worked at this factory, you could join the credit union. And years ago, if, you know, you worked in blank employer, they had a local credit union or the local school base or the military people. And it was very segmented just for that, those people. Now credit unions are really open uh, to their membership where I would say if you're driving past the local credit union in your region, there's probably about a 95% chance that you could go in and open an account there. So it used to be very restrictive and, and those days are gone, but the philosophy of being accessible to people is still the same. And you, you, you mentioned about, okay, this deal, you know, we, we were able to, you know, take it to a credit union and it was getting done. And, and, and the one thing that, that I'll say is we're a federally regulated financial institution industry. I have to show that people can pay back the loan. You know, it, it's not uh, that there, there's very there, there's there's value in the hard money lending, no docs. You know, there's certain segments where that's a good thing. We all play our role. But when you go to a credit union, the one thing that you can do is tell the story of your deal. And that's really the difference in what you're talking about is the numbers are the numbers are the numbers. You know, that's only one piece of it. But that subjective part of the loan to say, let me understand what's going on, be other than just putting it in the shoot of credit and outcomes and answer. You know, to me, that that's the worst thing in the world for people. You know, and, and if you're on the far end of, of perfect credit, you can always get credit from anywhere. And, and, and we deal with that segment of society and, and we do a good job at it. Uh, but we also do a good, great job with the middle in helping you understand and have that conversation. Because, you know, when I say it's a cooperative, that it gets much more into the relationship than the transaction. That makes a lot of sense. So talking about the story of the property now, like let's let's say, there, you know, there's different things you're going on. I tell everybody that when uh, when you go to get a loan, every lender is going to look at two things because everybody has a risk tolerance and they're going to want to know the situation with you and the situation with the property. And depending on how risky you are and how risky the property is, they're going to come up with their recipe of what they'll lend you and what they'll charge you. Where does that come in? Like, so now 
put yourself in the other seat. Like for, for us listening now, we're coming in to talk to you. What are some things you're looking at on the lender side that us as the investors can come in better prepared to have a higher success of getting approved for loans and telling that story for some of maybe those more challenging deals? Sure. Um, one of the things that I like to tell people is that people treat lenders People need to sh shop for a lender more like they shop for a restaurant. It, 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 they all give you money at the end of the day, and every restaurant's going to give you a meal. But not every restaurant is the same. They all have different formulas. They have different strategies. They have different niches. You know, I can go to Wawa and get a very expensive breakfast sandwich in a minute, or I can go to a super high-end restaurant and get a really nice meal or something in between. And, and, and that's how lenders are, is everybody kind of has their different business model and strategy. So if you look at it that way, you know, you have to find the restaurant that fits the meal that you're looking for. You know, and 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 because not every restaurant is trying to serve everybody so and 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 the crazy thing in my business is nobody ever really tells you that <laughs> they, they they don't say hey we're not lending to your you and your type of property in your marketplace they sort of want because of some legal issues and you know compliance and all they they sort of wander around the edges of it so so you have to kind of do that so, so the first thing that when you're shopping for a lender is, do you know anybody who does the types of properties that you that that you have done? You know, look around your marketplace, get the referrals. Have they done any properties, and and, and that that work with you? And also where you're at in the business cycle. Um, you know, we work with some very well experienced property owners, but we also work with that that first time person, maybe just putting that, you know, they have a job and they have their uh, getting that first property under their belt and, and kind of getting into that. Um, so 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 we, we'll work with people. There are many lenders that won't do that and will just shut you down from the, from the get go. But really, to, to get back to your question, you have to understand who you are so that we can understand who you are. If you have marginal credit, be upfront with it. If you've had some bumps in the roads, be upfront with it because it's much easier to talk through a story and understand where people is at people are at. Um, and, and, and if you and if you've had a lot of recent hiccups and you're coming after me for a 12 million dollar loan, well, we're going to have some conversations about that. So, so let's understand who you are. And, and, and also when, when you talk about who you are, what, one of the reasons that I love what we do is people sometimes overlook their rela own relationships. 125 million people belong to a credit union. A lot of real estate investors have access to relationships and have good credit history at places that they don't even think of. So if you've gotten a car loan or a mortgage or your your family has accounts at this credit the local credit union, check them out because that matters.
because we can look at your history and say, oh, they manage their household responsibly. They manage their credit that they've gotten with us responsibly. So, so that's the first, really understand who you are and, and, and don't overlook those existing relationships that you really don't even think that you have. Um, and then the second is we need to understand that property uh, and 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 we need to we need to know two things that we understand the property, but we also need to understand that you understand the property and have the ability to manage the ups and downs and cycles of this. I'm I, I'm a lender by trade, and I'm the perfect example. I've had some uh, investment properties in the past. If I get into managing uh, and, and maintaining properties, it's a nightmare. I have to have people do that for me. I can't, I, I am the worst handyman ever. <laughs> so I understand the numbers. I'm horrible. But we have to know that you either have the resources to do it or you know how to manage the properties. Maybe, maybe you're more the blue collar worker guy and you have to have somebody manage the contracts. Maybe you're an attorney and you understand the contract side, but you have to have the management side. So really, it, it, it's that combination of, of a whole bunch of factors. One of the nice things that I like about what we do, MBFS is owned by 13 credit unions. So we work with 100 different credit unions altogether all throughout the country. And there's about 15 businesses like us all throughout the country. So one thing that we do is if you like credit unions, we can pull you in and, and pick the help you steer you towards a credit union that works best for you. Because our industry are, is cooperatives and cooperatives tend to work together. That's awesome. So that makes a lot more sense now. Now I see why there's a little bit more value in the relationship because it's more of a like you said, a cooperative effort of people that can kind of go together and they can help each other rather than competing with each other. So I think that that's a very interesting piece here. And you you got my my attention with some of the things where you were talking about the ability to fund and some of the things that they can do and the strengths and the pros and the cons. So I was leaning a lot more on the real estate side initially, as far as just the traditional, I think people look at it and they go, well, can they fund my deal on the residential or commercial side? Can they refinance my property out? But I'd also be interested in what are some of the other ways now, because you have so many connections and contacts and experience lending through that. I'm a real estate investor. Somebody listening to this is a, a real estate investor, but we also have, you know, there's employees we have to hire. There's tools, there's expenses, there's marketing, there's overhead. And sometimes like people want to grow, they want to scale, but that starts to come out of other places. So is there options you guys offer for things or ways you can get funding for things as a real estate investor or business owner, in addition to just the standard purchase or refinance? Sure, absolutely. And, and, and credit unions as a totality have all of the deposit service. They have your electronic services. They'll have your payroll services. Uh, that is, and, and there, there's other places that you can have that. But when you have that relationship, kind of like buying your uh, credit unions have, uh, many credit unions have insurance firms to get commercial insurance and your homeowner's insurance off of that. So these are uh, sophisticated institutions. And, and, and most credit unions, if you just drive by, you see that they have one or two branches. But there's also 
they, the, the industry works together collaboratively. So that way you can have access to your payroll, to uh, your electronic services that you need, to your homeowner's insurance that you need, to, to, to really bring it as a relationship that has the feel of one of the big mega banks, but with somebody that you can actually stop by and have a conversation with and talk about your business. That's awesome. And you know, when you're, when you're talking about that stuff, so will they give out loans for, for like, like business loans for things like overhead and employees and stuff like that? Not necessarily just but, processing it, but giving you for like funding to start or grow your business. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of small, you know, a, a large portion of what we do is real estate loans, but we do a lot of small business loans as well to actually, you know, if you are going to have a property management company, uh, if you're going, it, and many small business, many real estate investors have their other small businesses as well. Uh, they, they they get into property management. They get into, maybe they they have a day job and they have an auto body shop or they're a small attorney. Uh, yeah, we, we can take care and run the whole gamut of, quote, small business lending and the real estate investing. That's awesome. So um, a, a couple of other things I think are interesting is, when we talk about credit unions, even even weird stuff, like uh, I had a couple of different entities set up that were different ways, like series LLCs and things like that. And it, like Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, they were like, we don't lend or do business with anybody who sets up those types of entities, even though I've done business with them for years. And then I called like a small local credit union. They were like, yeah, we do those all the time, come in at two o'clock. And they did it like, no problem, no questions asked. So like, that was one of the things where you're like, oh, wow, like there's like, like you were saying, I think people assume that a lender or a bank is the same. And I was like, it's not. It's it's still a store. Some of them sell cars. Some of them sell batteries. They don't all do the same things. They're not all bound by the same things. They don't have all the same risks. And that parlays on two things that I see people getting a lot of issues getting lending on. One of them is lately I see people having a hard time doing HELOCs or yeah, mostly HELOCs, sometimes refinances against their personal or their investment properties, and also getting loans or or financing for raw land. Have you seen any options or changes in that that benefit going to a credit union? Yeah, and and, and once again, it's about the story and getting somebody who can understand. We we do plenty of lines of credit uh, to to understand where pieces are going. In today's world, what the fear that to to translate the fear that you see is people, lenders today, when on a macro level, get very nervous about interest rates and they get very nervous about unfunded commitments. But realistically, many of the lenders out there, particularly the bigger people, are worried on a, on a big picture level about liquidity. So when they issue you a $200,000 line of credit, they 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 have to start to be ready and prepare for two hundred thousand dollars of loans out the door, but it might not be out the door today. So that can really impact their uh, financials and their how they reserve for money and how they manage money. So open commitments today can can make many of them in the banking community very very nervous. Because is it gonna? Are we gonna have to put out two hundred thousand dollars, or is it gonna be at zero? Um, and 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 in today's climate, raw land it, people are more worried about the increase in values. People are worried about the increase in values, and what you're going to do with that in the long run. 
Um, we do we do land financing. <clears throat> we have people we have people who look at land financing, and one of the nice pieces about the credit union <clears throat> is that you can look on it <clears throat> on a local level and say, does this make sense in my local community? Whereas the bigger you go up the food scale, remember, they're not looking at your project and you. They're managing an entire portfolio across multi-states or the nation saying, what do, what do we want to do and what do we not want to do? So that's, you know, even in, you know, at the height of the Great Recession, you know, 95% of the loans were paying. But people still, on a macro level, people said, well, I'm not going to lend because 5% of the loans were bad. But all the, you know, in there were a lot of good loans that were paying. So uncovering and peeling back that onion at a local level, which a credit union can, is what, what where we really tend to shine. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that. Now, uh, a parlaying follow-up question to that is now, how important is it that the specific credit union you're using is very local to the project you're trying to get funding on? It really depends on it. And that's where we can uh, add a lot of value because there are credit unions that will lend on a national basis. And there are credit unions that lend you know, really just in their metro areas or their markets. So it, it's not a it, it's not a singular interest industry. Remember, uh, there's 4,800 credit unions in America today. So within that, people always say, do credit unions do this? And I say, yes, somewhere there's a credit union that does that. So there are national lender credit unions, uh, and they tend to lend bigger projects more on a standardized basis. And then there are local lenders that will have much more flexibility to lend in your marketplace and have that conversation to say, oh, you know, and, and, and I'll give you the, the best example is people always tell me, oh, you're a lender. You shouldn't lend to restaurants. Well, there's a lot of good restaurants out there. You just have to understand on a local level who your restaurant is and who the operator is. And the same thing for gas stations. Uh, you know, if if the only thing I could lend are to sheets uh, gas stations, my life would be pretty easy. They're perfect uh -huh. That's awesome. Okay, that, that's really good info. I want to touch a little bit more on that as well. So when we go through this now, 
What you touched on was very eye-opening because I think people don't realize uh, the I think the term you used you used was unfunded commitments. That made my spidey senses pop up because I saw it a ton last time the market started to change that people would say, Hey Nick, I want to invest in your deal. Let me go pull the HELOC I already have active. And then they call me back and go, holy crap, the bank cut my HELOC. And then they went, well, it's okay. I got a bunch of open credit cards at low interest rates. I'll just use that. And they went, they cut all my credit by 80% and it crashed my score. Now what do I do? So I, I understand why they would do it with unfunded commitments, but I think people think it only happens to people with, with bad credit. It's like, no, it's actually the opposite because of exactly what you just said. Are you seeing that starting to happen now? I know it's definitely happening with the bigger banks, but does that change at all as far as how those decisions are made in today's climate with credit unions? Yeah, and 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 on the smaller level, more more local deal relationships, you don't see it as much. Um, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I want I want a a ten million dollar line of credit to keep out there in case I need anything, you know, that really is going to move the numbers. What you're going to see is people say, well, give me a pre, I'll give you a pre approval, and when you want the money. I'll put it out the door. So that that's where that's maybe a different way to look at it. And, and one of the things to remember about one of the things to remember is when you are get a consumer loan, maybe your residential home equity loan, that is a very regulated business. There's laws, there's all sorts of protection agencies, there's consumer rules all over the place. When you do something for investment purposes, there is nobody out there protecting the small business owner and real estate investor. It is buyer beware. And what I would recommend is for people who have open lines of credit, for people who who you know have those loans out there, it is you know you, you've probably done it. You go to settlement. Uh, and they're slapping don't loan docs at you, and you're just signing, 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 and talking about maybe you know where you'll go golfing this weekend. <laughs> you know we, we, we've seen them. Now is the time to pull out your loan docs to see a few things: how they can call the loan. That is very important. Can they call call this line of credit anytime they want and, and do something on demand? But also, what are the interest rate resets? Your, your loan in 2020, uh, you know, maybe you got at a really low interest rate, that can, that can be put out there. And, and what is it going to reset to? And what are the indexes to? But also, what are the prepayment penalties for your loans? Because in a year or two, you could be reset to a very high interest rate and for and I, one of the best things about credit unions is nothing we do has a prepayment penalty. So so we give people the flexibility. But if your loan's going to reset and it's going to reset to eight percent in two years, you're going to want to you're going to want to find out how if can you can you uh, prepay that loan and go find somebody with a better interest rate. When, when rates were three in the threes. You know, shopping for interest rates didn't really, you know, what am I going to be at three and a quarter or three, four, you know, it's so <laughs> low, what does it matter? In today's world, shopping for interest rates and understanding it's a big number and it really uh, can add up. 
So, so you got to understand the terms of your loans. And right now could be the time to dust off because you're in a low interest rate environment and you have the money, but what are the bank's requirements and what are their options for what they can do to you? Because those loan docs can be quite egregious and really it is buyer beware. They could put in just about any term that they want um, to maybe put you in default or adjust the interest rate higher or call the note and say, well, you have to put out the door. You'd have to leave. So that touches on a really uh, timely subject that you just said as far as calling the note. Subject to investing is a very popular strategy right now. And one of the biggest concerns of it are, if we do a subject to, the bank could call the due on sale clause. What are you seeing with, are, are you getting investors that are popping up? Is that coming in through the circles now? Is it, because it was something people didn't really know about that much and now it's everywhere. So I'm always wondering on the lender's side, are they more aware of it now? And what's, where are they coming from? Because I don't really know anybody that's due on sale clause has been called on and actually gone through on. Um, but, you know, sometimes they pop it up, sometimes it comes up. But on your side of it, is that an actual concern in that situation? And and like, where was their aspect of it? Like, put yourself in their shoes. What are you guys thinking on that side of what would the benefit be or the risk be for you guys actually calling to do on sale clause to want an investor and to do on sale on a, on a uh, subject to situation? Yeah, we don't see that too much in our space. Um, and, and it's more, be, uh, we, we tend to keep things pretty simple, pretty straightforward and, and, and driven on that pace. So, so we tend to, 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 to not see that as much in our world, um, just because of the nature of our business in that we're trying to do what makes sense for all the parties involved in this loan. Um, you know, uh, 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 it, it, a credit union doesn't get rewarded for trying to stand in the way of loans, and it doesn't get rewarded for not doing what's in the best interest of the people who have the accounts. Uh, that's a good way to get run out of my business. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. So parlaying that now into some of the, the pros and the cons now as far as mistakes, I want to jump into SBA loans, but a final thing before we transition into that, as far as real estate investors or investors just trying to get loans of any kind on there, what are some of the common mistakes that could cause them to not get approved for a loan when they come to you? Sure. Um, the, the big ones are not having complete packages, the really getting not, not having all the information that we need and not responding back to the questions they have. If somebody has a checklist of, of information that they need for the loan, fill out, get all of the information. If you don't think it's relevant, get the information and don't turn a package in without, uh, without the lenders, okay, saying, oh, okay, in your situation under this, we don't need it. Because all that's gonna do is slow down your transaction if you have somebody that says, I need three years financials and not two years financials, give them three years financials. Um, so, so really getting into and giving that complete package. And the first transaction with any lender is the most difficult because they're trying to understand you. You're trying to understand them. And it's kind of like a little dance. Okay, let, let's make sure. 
So be responsive, understand what they can do. And, and, and really, full, the, the other thing is full disclosure. Let them see the warts of the property. Let them see what's going on. Uh, because that make you know, the, hoping somebody doesn't find out about a property. Uh, maybe there is an environmental issue at the property. Uh, you know, maybe there was something uh, crazy going on with the seller, you know, in some sort of some sort of distressed issue or something notorious. Just full disclosure where people can work with it right from the very get go. Um, but but really, you know, understanding, uh, just just let people understand the entire package and entire if we have comfort with you as the investor, you know, I hate to say that's 70, 75 percent of the deal, but we're, we're giving money to you and properties go bad. Sometimes properties go really well. But if we have confidence in you as the person to get this done, that's that's a big piece of what we do. It's phenomenal advice. So investor side, we talk a lot about that. I know you do a lot with SBA and I hear people bring it up a lot, but I think it's another thing similar to credit unions where they bring it up, but they don't actually know what those could be used for, why they would benefit them or how they could even get them to apply for them. So first talk about like what an SBA loan actually is and does and then why it would benefit somebody like us going down that route. Yep. Yeah, there's two uh, major programs in the SBA, and and historically the SBA programs, when you brought it up, people just wince and say, "Oh, I hate," you know. But but honestly, the SBA is a self now a self funding government agency, and they're probably the most fr the friendliest at the friendliest agency that there is. Um, because if if they aren't friendly to the lenders, they, nobody gets the loans and they don't get any money. If they aren't friendly to the borrowers, the borrowers won't get the loans. So there, there's two pieces to understand uh, for SBA lending is that the SBA does not lend on real estate investment loans. That's us. Okay. They do lend on businesses. Now, as I said, if you have a property management company, if you have a uh, if you have a real estate agency, uh, if you have another line of business that's just a, a business out there, the and, and and the SBA side under the Seven A program. One of the best uses of the 7A program is a service-oriented business because you tend not to have a lot of collateral and you want longer-term periods. So if you need working capital and you need to fix up an office and uh, or you need leasehold improvements, that's your best use of a 7A loan program. It, the the government does not do real estate investment lending, so so they, they they don't do that out there. But for your business, it is great. Um, the other p and they will lend much higher um, amounts compared to the collateral and for your business than a traditional lender. The other program out there is the five hundred four loan, which is the best kept secret in America. 
And for that, that is mainly real estate loans. And what the SBA 504 program is, is they what they will, and it has to be for a property that is majority owner occupied, but it's for your business. The lender will lend the first 50%. Then the government comes in and issues 40% of the financing. And that 40% is typically at a 20-year fixed interest rate that is lower than anything else that you could see out there. And you could fold in all sorts of uh, improvements, signage, uh, some working capital in there at times. And, 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 and uh, since we have the lender and the government funding 90% of the project, the business generally is putting in 10% equity, which on a larger project could save you a lot of money and keep more money in your project as opposed to uh, more money in your pocket, as opposed to going and, uh, you know, having to go through a traditional financing. If anybody could ever qualify for a 504 loan and you don't take it, it's a bad move. That is extremely valuable content. I didn't even know about that. And I definitely am looking to pick something up now that that will work excellent for. So it's going to be definitely a clip for the show, man. That was awesome. That was gold right there. That's good stuff. I appreciate it. Okay, so now we have SBA loans. We have the real estate side of that. Do you guys offer things if somebody has like their, their business? Because that's the other thing that comes up a lot is they go, hey, I got my personal credit, but you know, I have this LLC or I have X, Y, and Z. How do I start building up my business credit through my EAN or my tax ID? Is that something that they can start building up business credit as well? Yeah. And, and, and for bu business credit is one of those mysterious black boxes out there. Mm -hmm. And once again, your personal credit is your personal credit is very regulated. It's very restricted. It's high, you know, these are the credit bureau reports. Yes, no, it's good, it's bad. Uh, or, or, you know, it's understanding. Business credit is important. Uh, it, bad, what I always like to tell people is it, it's much easier to get bad business credit than it is to get good business credit. Because the repositories, there's a few different repositories out there for business credit, and lenders are not required to report good business credit and good payments to Experian, Dun & Bradstreet, Equifax have business credit report. But you, if your business, if you're, uh, re, you get reported to that, it works well. One of the, the unknowns for business credit is the, the bigger use of business credit are trade payables, uh, vendors that you might have that report, um, you know, and, and, and uh, if, if you have a, a, an account with Coke or a Pepsi or a local, you know, somebody delivers food to you, um, a lot of these large companies that are trade payables will put it to you, um, that they'll report that. Now, if you don't pay somebody or somebody files a lien or judgment, almost all of these lenders will go ahead and ding you almost immediately with bad credit. So that's why I say it is much easier 
to get bad business credit than it is good business credit. And you can actually sign up for alert functions from the business credit uh, repositories where if somebody reports something uh, to you, you can be updated on it. Now, because, remember I said how this was a completely unregulated business line. Think about the amount of disputes that you've ever been involved with or that you've heard of. You can really get into, somebody says, I was 30 days late on a payment. I was 60 days late on a payment. And the business owner may say, they didn't do the job. <laughs> what, what are you talking? Uh, uh, this electrician is saying that I didn't pay him. This HVAC company is saying I didn't pay him. He didn't finish the job or defaulted. Or it broke right away. This is a dispute. So many times the derogatory items out there tend to be dispute items much more than you didn't pay. And businesses and companies can use that as a way to collect and leverage against you. So be very cognizant and, and, and check out those business credit reports because what may seem like bad credit is something that uh, was, was simply not your fault and, and you, didn't, you don't consider yourselves past due. That makes a lot of sense. It's very interesting stuff now. So fundability, as we kind of wrap this whole thing up here, I've told everybody for years, fundability drives the market. When lenders want to lend, things are good. But if you can start to get relationships, which is kind of what we've been talking about, and then the market starts to change, it's very hard to get into the real estate game with no track record, no history, no experience, and a down market. Because like you said, lenders, they have that risk tolerance. They want to see that those relationships in place, a little bit of experience there. So for somebody listening to this, knowing that we're probably going to see a pretty good buying opportunity, what are some things you're seeing now on the lending side that we can do as investors to set ourselves up for success with whatever you see coming down the pipe for, for lending in the near 6, 12, 18 months? Sure. Um, well, first of all, my best years lending in a, at credit unions are always in the down markets. We, that's where we we tend to shine and do do the best because of just that. Um, if you look at a credit union's balance sheet, they're lending local deposits in their own money. They're not looking through secondary sources of highly leveraged transactions. So credit unions are in the market we're lending. But over the next year, what we're seeing, is people need to be conscious of the rents that they can get. Uh, the rents that they can get compared to the interest rates that are out there now. And make sure, you know, the, the warehouse is hot. Uh, multifamily continues to be strong. Uh, but the, the, when, when we say strong, you got to make sure those rents are sustainable. Um, it, you know, if somebody has strip malls and uh, some office space more in a city area, yeah, you might have a tenant for the next two years, but it's sitting empty. So interest rates are going to flatten out. They, they, they're, they're not going to continually be up. And, and, and what I would do is be focused on quality tenants, quality locations in, in solid markets that you understand. And that's a winning strategy for five years from now. 
you, you, you said about sticking to the fundamentals. Yes, stick to the fundamentals and do not stick to what you understand. And just because, you know, somebody pitches you a hot deal uh, out in some obscure marketplace mm -hmm. and oh, what's going on, uh, you know, everybody's moving to Boise, Idaho, but <laughs> everybody can't move to Boise, Idaho forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Actually, I use that Boise example. That's really funny. You picked that one. That's awesome stuff, man. So now talk about how do you help people? How can we work with you? Because there was a lot of things I think as you go through it and you're talking about, well, you do have to find like the right one, the right fit for you. You have to have X, Y, and Z. Some lend this, some lend don't. And I think people can get overwhelmed. And from what I understand, that's where you guys kind of come in and make life a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So we, we have two ways that people work with us. We have a whole network of lenders that we can help with real estate investors and get you uh, matched up to a, a credit union in your marketplace that's a good fit. Um, or, or we can kind of see maybe there it, it, there's somebody uh, in another marketplace that lends in your marketplace, but you just didn't know about. So that's one way. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, our website is mbfs.org, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn and we'll get it going. The other piece is maybe we don't have a credit union in your area. Uh, you know, we, 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 I like to think we help a lot of people, but I can't be every corner of the country to everybody. But we have a, a network. Uh, as I mentioned, we're, we're a cooperative industry and cooperatives cooperate with each other. And we have a whole network of people that we're going to, we, if we don't have somebody specifically in your area, we do the introduction. It's no cost. We don't get anything out of it other than helping each other out because we think everybody in America should have access to a credit union. I love that, man. I think that that is outstanding information. And uh, I'm definitely going to contact with you after this because there's a bunch of things that you touched on that I think it helped me. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are thinking the same. So uh, the website and LinkedIn, those are two like the best ways to get a hold of you. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, you, sir, have bought your A game to everything you've done up until this point. This interview has been no different. You definitely bought your A game today. Before I let you go about your day and enjoy your week, what final thoughts or pieces of advice do you have for the listeners today? Yeah. And, 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 and stick to the fundamentals, stick with what you know, and, and and don't overreact to the news in the marketplace because it's all meant to shock you and keep you listening. You know, you know your business, stick to what you know, and uh, the good times will, will be there and the bad times will be there and don't overreact to it. I love that. Financial wizard, lending phenom, our guest today. Thank you so much for coming on today. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. Thank you.